Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. We're broadcasting from the studios of uh, the Jewish News Syndicate, JNS.org. And if you want to follow all things Israel and you want to get a perspective that is really actually, to borrow the phrase from Fox News, fair and balanced, you should go to JNS.org because it's a, you know, let's face it, a lot of the media is left-leaning all over the world, and uh, that isn't the case with the uh, Jewish News Syndicate. So we've been really honored to be able to be in their state-of-the-art studios, and in just a moment we're going to visit with the CEO and Jerusalem Bureau Chief from JNS, from the Jewish News Syndicate, uh, our friend Alex Trayman. I wanted to spend some more time with you yesterday because there, since then we've had some breaking news. And as you guys report at JNS.org, senior Israeli officials said they were unaware of any basis for Biden's remarks that a hostage for ceasefire agreement in Gaza is imminent. He was eating ice cream next to 30 Rock where he did a late night comedy show and Biden was asked when a ceasefire in Gaza might start. He told reporters, I hope by the end of the weekend, my national security advisor tells me that we're close. We're close. We're not done yet. My hope is by next Monday we'll have a ceasefire. Alex Trayman, can you give us some analysis about why the president would have said such a thing? Well, I think it's wishful thinking. Of course, the United States very much has called for a temporary ceasefire. They brought forward a U.N. Secretary uh, Security Council resolution last week calling for a temporary ceasefire when practical, and they view it also as probably the best way of bringing back some more of the Israeli hostages. Uh, but there's definitely wide gaps between the negotiating position of Hamas, which wants everything and wants to give nothing in return except for the hostages that it took 140 days ago, uh, versus what Israel believes their positions are. And they certainly don't want to stop fighting for six weeks unless they're going to get something uh, very, very uh, valuable in return. I, I want to drag you kicking and screaming into a political arena for just a moment, because I have to be honest with you, and very candidly, I'm stunned at how many people I've interviewed are on the streets are pulling for Donald Trump on, in November, on November the 5th. That may come as a shock to people in the United States because, frankly, there's a lot of progressives, a lot of Jewish progressives, who don't seem to be very inclined to support Israel, who seem to support Biden and his policies, and yet Trump was the guy who signed the Abraham Accords. Trump was the guy who, who moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, recognizing Jerusalem as the, the capital of Israel, as the, as the heart of Israel. Alex, is it fair to say that from your perspective that Trump was indeed a friend of Israel? And are you surprised at, anecdotally, me meeting so many people here in Jerusalem, at least, who seem to be polling for President Trump on November the 5th? As far as most Israelis are concerned, Trump was probably the most friendly president to the state of Israel that we've ever had. Um, and furthermore, 
Israelis never warmed up to Barack Obama. They understood that he was a hostile president to the state of Israel. Now, the the difference here is that uh, there's a little bit of an ambivalence uh, towards Joe Biden because he says the right things. And you do get the sense that in his heart there might be a warm, soft spot for the state of Israel. But if you look at who's running his foreign policy team, it's all the same people that were there during the Obama administration. So, you know, I'm not surprised that Israelis uh, think that Trump was was the best friend that they've ever had. And I'm not surprised that most Israelis uh, would want Trump back in the White House as soon as possible. I had a great conversation with a, a feisty shopkeeper here in Jerusalem, and he told me that he felt that Biden is pulled by two forces. He instinctively is sort of an old school Democrat who recognizes that Israel is our ally. Israel is our friend. But of course, he's being held hostage, metaphorically, by the young progressives of the Democrat Party like Ilhan Omar and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and others who are demanding um, that he take a side and that there be a two-state solution and that genocide and all this crap that they say so often about Israel. Do you agree with that assessment that he's kind of he's dealing with that conflict between these two factions of the Democrat Party? Well, I don't think that the the side of the progressives like the squad members, Rashida Tlaib, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I don't think that they're the ones that are really pulling him. I think that the ones that are pulling him are his senior staff and foreign policy, Anthony Blinken, right. uh, Jake Sullivan, you know, you, Hattie Ammer, Wendy Sherman, you know, all these people are part of the uh, Barack Obama foreign policy team. And what were the two primary uh, foreign policies with regard to the Middle East of of the of the Obama administration was to fund Iran, you know, to to give them everything, which they've used that money to build their nuclear weapons program and to on terror proxies that created a ring of fire all around the state of Israel and to get Israel to to divide its land and to create this two-state solution whereby the, the Palestinian Authority and or Hamas are the, the most powerful entities. Um, and then elsewhere, you know, they supported uh, Erdogan in Turkey and supported the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt. Uh, everybody remembers that uh, when they pushed Hosni Mubarak out of power. So you know, these these are the exact same people now that are running the show that were in in office when when uh, Obama was in office. And so while there were definitely statements uh, in favor of Israel at the beginning of the war, uh, very large displays of support for Israel. As this war drags on, we're starting to see the, the true colors of the administration come out. And, and there's been a tremendous amount of diplomatic pressure on Israel, the kind that's not really befitting of an ally. Let's talk about the climate here right now. We've got the we spoke uh, to the brigadier general in the reserves of the northern front who we, we had to conduct the interview with him. Uh, via Skype, where he was in his car, because he said the noise of the rockets and the bombs would have distracted from the interview. Yesterday was there was violence uh, from from the north. There were bombs that came in, rockets that came in. One farmer was injured. There was land destroyed. But I've had a number of Israelis point out to me that, frankly, the north now is more dangerous than the south. Can you explain? We talked a little bit about this yesterday, but touch upon the differences between Hezbollah in the north, and Hamas in the south. Well, by all accounts, Hamas is the junior of uh, Iran's terror proxies in the region, and they did cross the border on October 7th. Maybe 3,000 people stormed across the border. They killed 1,200 people. They injured thousands others. Uh, But 
the damage to the Israeli home front was essentially limited to October 7th. The, the border has been sealed, and the overwhelming majority of the fighting is taking place now inside the Gaza Strip. Uh, Hamas still fires uh, Qassam rockets at Israel, but Israel has the Iron Dome system that is shooting over 90% of these rockets out of the sky, so these rockets really haven't done too much damage to the home front. Hezbollah, by contrast, is a much larger fighting force. Uh, they have an army that could be five times as large as that of Hamas. Uh, and they also have a much more significant uh, missile and rocket uh, uh, cachet. They have in a, the Qassam rockets that Hamas fires are short-range rockets, and they're not precision-guided. Hezbollah, by contrast, has a lot of long-range missiles. Uh, they have missiles that are precision-guided, that they can hit specific strategic targets, and also can deliver much larger payloads. And so the, the big fear is that if Israel gets into a, a all-out hostilities with Hezbollah, that Hezbollah could blanket almost the entire home front of Israel with rockets, and there's no amount of missile defense that Israel has that could shoot these things out of the sky as fast as Hezbollah could shoot them. Alex, talk big picture with me and help a Methodist from Ohio like me who loves Israel and supports Israel and stands with Israel. Help me understand the concept of a two-state solution. How do you have a two-state solution when one of the entities is committed to the destruction of the other. I, I am. This is maddening to me because how do you, it's like the ultimate phrase of negotiating with terrorists. How do you have? How do you ho- expect or hope to have a two-state solution when again one side is committed to the annihilation, to the eradication, you know, from the river to the sea of of the Jews in Israel. Right. I mean, I think you have something that's uh, lacking in the world today. It's common sense. Uh, I think that people don't understand where Israel is on the map and how big it is. If you would take a look at the Middle East and North Africa and you look at all the Muslim majority nations, uh, it spans over continents. And when you look at the state of Israel in that larger map, the state of Israel is a speck. Right. On that entire map. I mean, this is a state that's smaller than the size of New Jersey. But surrounded by hostile actors. Right. And not only surrounded by hostile actors, we also have hostile actors within. I mean, you're right. sitting here in Jerusalem. Just uh, We could walk 20 minutes from here, and I could take you into uh, Arab neighborhoods where there's contiguous 250,000 uh, Arabs living here. Many of them are members of organizations like Hamas or Fatah. You know, We had two brothers from the neighborhood right across the street from my house you committed a shooting attack uh, in by the central bus station in Jerusalem just about three weeks ago. Um, And and, and in addition to that, it's not contiguous zones where you could just easily draw a line. You know, when people talk about a Palestinian state, where do they want that to be? They want that to be in what is called the West Bank. Right. But what do we call it in Israel? That These are the biblical provinces of Judea and Samaria. Right. Jews are called Jews because we come from Judea. Right. Okay, And every story in the Bible that you read as a child and continue to read now took place in Judea. Right. And so the people that want there to be a Palestinian Palestinian state and what they call the West Bank, because they don't want you to know that it's Judea, want the only province in the world called Judea to be what the Germans call Judenrein, or free of Jews. Um, and yet in the face of a lot of darkness, a lot of catastrophe, uh, we've saw terrible death, bloodshed on October 7th, 
There is so much goodness in the world and so much goodness here in Israel. I, I met today Yael Eckstein of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. They, of course, are, our, are the sponsor for our broadcast, and we so appreciate their hospitality. It's beautiful to see organizations like the fellowship do so much good for people uh, because they're, the need is great. People have lost their homes. Um, they, they are unsafe. And yet here's the fellowship providing armored vehicles to paramedics, providing flak jackets, providing food. They are, they are feeding the hungry. They are clothing the naked. Uh, you must witness that even in your, your dealings here at JNS.org all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think what's so important that they do is that they connect people abroad uh, right. to participate uh, in the cause. And there's so many great uh, not-for-profit organizations out there, and, right. and philanthropists have really stepped up in this time of war in order to uh, fund things going on in Israel, well, including, our, by the way, JNS. Uh, JNS, exactly. And you guys uh, have, have witnessed it as well. And that's what we're inviting our audience to do as well, step up and support the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Alex Trayman, I hope you know how grateful we are for your hospitality here in the JNS studios. Keep fighting the good fight, my Mike, friend. Mike, so glad you're here. Thank, Thank you. you. Alex Trayman, CEO, Jerusalem Bureau Chief. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. If you enjoy your podcast, take a moment, tell a friend to subscribe today. Send them to our website, townhallreview.com. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for joining us.